This is the Strategic GC, Gartner's General Counsel Podcast. Welcome to the Strategic GC Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Cohn. The SEC has added yet another item to the long list of things general counsel have to do, cybersecurity disclosure rules. These rules require public companies to provide more transparency to investors around governance, oversight, and risk management of cybersecurity. To manage these new rules, general counsel will need to lean on a colleague they may not have worked with before, the chief information security officer. Lawyers and security chiefs, not always the most obvious of pairings. Can the two learn to get along? With us to talk about this critical task is Elisa Lugo. Elisa is a senior director analyst at Gartner. Welcome, Elisa. Hi, Laura. I'm thrilled to be here talking with you today about this topic. Why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about your background, and then we'll dive into the rules themselves. Sure. So prior to joining Gartner, I practiced law at a national law firm where I was a partner and advised clients on corporate governance and security issues. And then here at Gartner, I'm an analyst and am speaking with GC, corporate secretaries, and other C-suite clients on a wide range of corporate governance issues and challenges. So let's dive into these rules. Why are they so crucial for companies to pay attention to now? So cyber has been an area of focus for the SEC for a number of years. In fact, they issued guidance to companies back in 2011 and again in 2018 on what companies should be talking about when it comes to cybersecurity. But these new rules formalize a lot of this guidance and also expands it. So one of the items that's really giving clients a lot of angst is the requirement to disclose material cyber incidents within four business days of determining materiality. And public companies are used to determining materiality on a variety of topics, but with cybersecurity, many executives like CEOs, CFOs, and GC don't have the cyber experience to assess materiality of cyber incidents on their own. And so this means that they're needing to rely more on their CISO colleagues to help with this. And as you mentioned, this is a new type of relationship. And so really, companies are trying to figure out what that looks like and what they should be worrying about. Let's back up for a second here. You said within four days. That to me sounds like a really short window. Yeah, it is a short window. So most disclosures like this are made on what's called an 8K. And an 8K requires disclosures once something is triggered within four business days. Importantly, with this aspect of the rule, it's within four business days of determining materiality of a cyber incident, not necessarily when the cyber incident happened. But companies are going to have to make sure that they have the controls in place to get information elevated when a cyber incident happens to be able to determine if it's material or not. And they're going to have to keep on reassessing this. So if initially they learn of a cyber incident and it's not deemed material, but as new information comes to light, it does make it material, they're going to have to then make that disclosure. 
And so a lot of clients that we're talking to are having to think about how information is being elevated from kind of the security team up to senior leaders in the board in order to make this disclosure within this four business days. And to back up for a second, let's talk about what's at stake here. If organizations don't comply, the security chief could get into trouble, as we saw in the case of SolarWinds. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a few months after the SEC issued these new cyber rules, they charged SolarWinds and its CISO with allegations of fraud and internal control failures. And this is a big deal because primarily it was the first time a CISO had been charged by the SEC over a cyber incident. And essentially the SEC alleged that the CISO was making public representations about the quality of the company's software products that he knew were inaccurate. And he was also out publicly speaking in a variety of industry forums about certain requirements that are essential for a strong cyber program, while his own cyber program failed to do these things. And so it's really kind of putting the heat on CISOs. Right. And you and you admitted to me that you read through the SEC's 68-page complaint. So <laughs> what, what's the lesson here for other companies? Yeah, I think really kind of checking your internal controls with respect to cyber, making sure that information is flowing from the security team up through the organization and reaching senior leadership and the disclosure committees and the board. And really CISOs need to make sure that they are adequately elevating issues and explaining issues when there are red flags. A lot of senior leaders and the board may not have the expertise needed to really understand. And so part of it's going to be education. And then part of it is that the CISOs need to be doing a better job of raising issues. And that kind of really leads to CISOs being brought into the fold with senior leadership. And again, being educated on what it means to be an officer of a public company and the liability that attaches with that. And this is where the general counsel can help, right? We have data here at Gardner that shows fewer than half of directors serve on boards that regularly interact with their security chiefs. So what can the general counsel do here to help? Yeah, I think one of the things that GC can do is make sure that the board is getting educated on cyber and understand what the company's cyber program entails, what kind of strategies the company is employing to mitigate risk. And then also making sure that on either the board's agenda, that the CISO is delivering reports, and then on the committee that is overseeing cyber risk, that the CISO is regularly interacting with that committee through reports and, and providing that committee with the information it needs to be able to fulfill its oversight duty. To back up for a second, so if you add cybersecurity to board agendas, can you talk about how often this should happen? And again, at Gartner, we have data that shows that 77% of general counsel are involved in setting board agendas. So it feels like this is a place where the general counsel can really help. Yeah, exactly. And so I think really the timing of how often cyber appears on an agenda is going to vary. Much of the more detailed discussions are going to happen at the committee level. 
the committee that is delegated oversight of cyber. I see this mostly at the audit committee level right now, but some companies do have like a cyber tech committee that are handling cyber risk. And so it could be a, another committee other than the audit. It's likely that this committee should be getting at least quarterly reports on what's going on with the cyber program and cyber risk at the organization. And then the full board should also be getting some periodic updates. I've seen some companies devote actually a full separate meeting to just cyber. And this may be good for companies where their cyber risk is high because of the products or services that they offer. But otherwise, a few times a year should be sufficient for boards to be getting updates on cyber, as long as that committee is really getting more of the detailed information and having those kind of crucial discussions with the CISO to understand what the cyber risk is at the organization and how it's being mitigated. Can you provide a, a couple more details? What is it that they actually need to inform the board about? Yeah, I think that's going to probably vary, but a lot of times the CISO should have some kind of key risk indicators as to the cyber program. So that would be kind of one of the key points that would be included in a board presentation. A lot of times cyber programs are going to engage in tabletop exercises throughout the year. So another kind of topic that could be reported on to the committee or the board is results of the tabletop exercises, any issues that came up in the tabletop exercises and how those are being resolved. Other topics could include resourcing, budget, how is the money being spent, is more money needed or more resources needing to be allocated to the cyber program to ensure that the organization is able to adequately mitigate the risk. Some of it could also just be any kind of cyber incident activity that they're seeing and how they're trying to resolve that to decrease the number of incidents. So it could be a lot of different things. That's something that the GC can work hand in hand with the CISO on and get a better understanding of kind of what's going on with the cyber program, where the risk is at, and then how that can be discussed with the board at kind of the right altitude. The board doesn't need to be in the weeds on a lot of this, but they do need to understand the basics of the cyber program and the risk management part. Can we go back to talking about you felt the security chief should present to the board? The general counsel can also help them craft their board presentations, right? Do you have any tips on how the general counsel can help on that front? Yeah, a lot of times GC will help work with other executives on presentations. We like GCs to try to implement kind of standard dashboards or templates so that the board is getting the same kind of altitude of information across all functions. If the CISO has not been regularly reporting to the board, the CISO might be tempted to kind of come in and present to the board kind of way down in the weeds on cyber and the board doesn't need to be down in the weeds and likely will not understand kind of all of the technical aspects of the cyber program. So the GC can really kind of work with the, the CISO to say, okay, what are kind of the key aspects of the program? What are your key risk indicators? What strategies are you taking within the program to help mitigate risk? And 
coach the CISO on bringing the right information to the board at the right altitude. So I, again, a lot of times CISOs are not making those presentations to the board. So just really helping coach the CISO on what's expected when, when an executive leader comes before the board. Got it. And then should the general counsel consider putting the CISO on disclosure committees? Is that something else that we recommend? Yeah. So the disclosure committees, public companies kind of help go through the disclosures that the company is making in its filings. For these new disclosure rules, the CISO is kind of the key risk owner. And so they really should be in the room when the committee is talking about the disclosures that it's making in its filings. And another opportunity here is for the GC to help make sure that the CISO understands what it means to be an officer, what it means for a public company to be making public disclosures, the liabilities that attach to that. So we covered a lot of things that the general counsel can do. Is there anything that we miss that's um, critical as companies start to navigate these new rules? Is there anything else that you would add that general counsel should think about? Yeah, I mean, I think really the GC can, you know, spend some time crafting the 10K disclosures on cyber governance and risk management and strategy, you know, really take a critical eye to what's being said in those disclosures. Make sure that it reflects reality and is not just aspirational or something that has been lifted from another company's disclosure. It really needs to kind of fit what's happening within your organization. And then if your organization hasn't thought about that material cyber incident disclosure, you know, really now is the time to do so. And again, engage in those tabletop exercises to make sure everyone is aligned with how that process will work, who's responsible for what, how to make materiality determinations, and get some draft disclosures on the books so that when a cyber incident happens, and it likely will happen, and you have to make a disclosure, you already have kind of a working draft to go from. We've covered a lot of material here, just from your calls and in talking to other C-suite leaders. Have you heard about any pitfalls to avoid, perhaps, as organizations are gearing up for this? Yeah, so surprisingly enough, again, we have a cross-functional team here at Gartner where lots of us are talking to officers in different roles within organizations. and. The one thing that we keep on hearing again and again, particularly from CISOs, are one, they historically have not been getting that time before the board. I've spoken to a CISO where his GC wanted him to try to take a crack at drafting the disclosures on cyber governance and risk management strategy. And really, that's something that the GC should own and should be working with the CISO on instead of having the CISO do it. The GC can't, can't just say, oh, this is not my area. There's someone else is working on it. The GC should be taking kind of that central role and collaborating with cross-functional leaders and taking the lead on the disclosure aspect. So it kind of surprised, honestly, to hear from clients that legal is kind of pushing this on the CISO side. And so on the GC clients that I've been talking to, I've really been reiterating that this is something that legal should be kind of taking the lead on from the disclosure standpoint. Thank you so much, Elisa. This has been really insightful. 
happy to join you again, Laura. It's been great. Another issue general counsel will need to keep an eye on in the coming months is cost cutting. With us to talk about that is Steve Shapiro, a senior principal at Gartner. Thanks, Laura. And that's right. This is an emerging agenda item and a huge challenge for organizations in the coming months. While most industries have avoided a recession, they face new economic headwinds like persistently high costs and slowing demand. One in five boards say that cost efficiency is a strategic priority in the next two years, a 19% increase year over year. And over seven in 10 CFOs say the same. There's bad news and good news here though. The bad news is that these CFOs overwhelmingly say any cost-saving measures will be difficult to implement without harming growth and productivity. Risk leaders say the same. A majority cite overzealous cost-cutting as an emerging threat with few upsides. They also report they're not prepared for it. The good news is that other executives have high hopes for new technology to cut costs. For instance, leaders who are planning to implement generative AI solutions think that, on average, the tools will save them about 15% in the next 12 to 18 months. In a similar vein, other leaders say that innovation, automation, and engineering breakthroughs in their industry could end up reducing costs by around 17% on average, although past experiences hint that this may be overly optimistic. You can read about these insights and more in our Executive Pulse article series on Gartner.com. Thanks, Steve. Share this episode with your friends and colleagues and join us for the next episode of the Strategic GC, Gartner's podcast for general counsel. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations. 